0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Gun Talk is back. Classic talk radio topic that unfortunately comes up a lot after a whole bunch of people die and we've had two mass shootings within a week and I'd love to be able to stop it. I'm just not of the belief that Taking away my right to own a gun is what's going to stop this. Um, but we'll, we'll get into a little of the history of the Second Amendment and legislation on it and uh, Supreme Court rulings and stuff next segment, just to give you a little uh, background information. Speaking of
2: liberty and the denial of it, Rand Paul has been on the warpath against Dr. Fauci lately. And, in in a couple of specific ways, um, that are terrific. And we'll let Rand speak for himself. We have a lot of, a lot of tape of it. Uh, he was on Neil Cavuto's show yesterday, which is really an underrated show yep. because it's, you know, during the daytime, uh, it doesn't have the name that a lot of the nighttime shows have. It's good though. He's a smart guy and very reasonable. Anyway, um, Uh, I'm trying to think, Uh, you know, I don't think much really needs to be said. Uh, Rand is just concerned that we've turned liberty from an opt out to an opt in that we have just granted the right to all these people to tell us what to do and how to do it, whether there's science behind it or not. And he thinks it's crazy, even if you're pro mask. And pro being safe, social distancing, the rest of it. You don't have to be a wackadoo denier to be really concerned with a lot of what's gone on. So let's go ahead, Sean. Let's start with clip number sixty, Rand Paul with Neil Cavuto.
3: Well, you know, I think the burden should be on government. If the if the government's going to tell you you can't go anywhere unless you're wearing a mask, they should tell you why, and they should present the evidence. So, for example. We have about 100 million people that have gotten the vaccine now, maybe a little bit shy of that. We've got about 30 million people that have been infected. The government needs to prove and show me a study that says that those people are still transmitting the disease and that they are a problem to public health. What Dr. Fauci said is they might be. He sort of looked. what if they could spread the disease? Well that sounds to me like conjecture. And you could look at Dr. Fauci and say, well, what if the Spanish flu comes back? Shouldn't we wear a mask every year for the rest of our life because someday the Spanish flu is going to come back? See, that's not science. That's sort of emotionalism and fear mongering. And so Dr. Fauci needs to put up or shut up. He needs to show us the scientific evidence that it's a problem after you've been vaccinated or after you've already gotten the disease naturally. So far, there's no evidence that there's widespread disease happening from people who have already had the disease or have already been vaccinated i think rand paul is just
2: he probably recognizes this but doesn't want to address it
1: that his lawn clippings were on my side of the fence
2: (laughs) (laughs) no no that fauci and others believe most americans are dumb or or to reach the most the biggest number of people the most people You need to dumb down the message. You've got to make it simple to the point of absurdity. Or the crowd watching, did I close that tab? Tamron Hall and the guy I'd never heard of in daytime TV and all those daytime TV shows, which are not Mensa meetings. I mean, have you ever watched the, the, the View? It makes you stupider for watching it. <laughs> Ten minutes on The View, you lose one point off your IQ. Oh, An hour? Whoa. Forget it. Halfway through, you're sitting on the couch eating glue, and you like, how, think, how did this happen? Why am I eating glue? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think Fauci, and he may be right, and I know, Jack, you hate this, I, I think Fauci thinks the message about masks has got to be so pig simple that even a, a particularly dumb pig would understand it. It's either a red light or a green light. If pigs are colorblind, forgive me. There can be no subtlety whatsoever. Or the mouth breathing, paste eating, nose picking Americans <laughs> won't know what to make of it. Oh, and so he says stuff like that. Yeah, even after you're fully vaccinated, uh, yeah, you probably should wear a mask.
1: Why? For what? Because I'm ugly? Because my teeth are crooked? Why? I think you're making the argument that people can't govern themselves, then. Why, maybe. (laughs) I like clip 62. Hit that, would you?
3: We do what we're forced to do to live in Dr. Fauci's world, but someone has to contend with him and show him that his edicts are not based on science. For example, how many people watching this program have walked into a restaurant, put their mask on for 10 feet, and seen 400 people look up at you who are all not wearing their masks, all in an enclosure breathing? Do you think those 10 steps of wearing your mask meant anything? That's non-science. That basically is someone expressing some sort of form of civility, but has nothing to do with science. You're on the airplane, you wear a mask, you're sitting this far from people, and then they say when you get off, We're going to get off six feet apart now. I've been sitting next to some guy three inches from me the whole time. But now we're going to use science, and he has to go six feet in front of me to get off the plane. None of this is based in science. It's all emotionalism, and we're going to be here forever if we keep listening to these people. The simple fact is, if you've been vaccinated and you're two weeks out from your second one, throw your mask away and do what you want because Dr. Fauci is overkill on all of this.
1: Well, and if you're on the airplane or walking through the airport, as long as you have a cup of coffee in your hand, you can have your mask down. Cause, sure, well, it's yeah. fine. You don't have to have your mask on if you're drinking coffee. It's, you know. But if you aren't drinking coffee, you need to have your mask on or you'll spread the
2: disease. <laughs> well, I think they're still recovering from their. <laughs> don't wear a mask. Oh, how silly you people can be. Don't buy a mask. Don't wear a mask. And so, I don't know overcorrecting plus for the umpteenth time fauci's only concern is the freaking covid you remember when you used to see life as like a full circle like a pie chart and you had uh, avoiding disease had a little slice over here but then you had uh, economics you had uh, friendships you had family you had sex if you're lucky um i'd like to expand that part of the pie chart but that's another topic for another day uh <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Is that a Rand Paul laugh? Is that what that is? (laughs) I love that, Michael. But you had the whole pie chart, right? And you would balance concerns against other concerns. You would balance needs against needs, opportunities against opportunities. Yes, I'd like to expand the sex uh, part of the pie chart, but the wife part of the the pie chart would have my head if I expanded it with somebody else. So you balance everything. I'm not going to avoid disease To the point of losing my job, for instance. But Fauci's entire pie chart is the damn COVID. And it's just it's wildly out of balance.
1: What percentage of people are going to keep wearing masks pretty much forever, I wonder? Twelve. I think think a decent chunk of people will. You think? Boy, I won't. My
2: friggin' way, I can't wait to never wear one again.
1: My county just went into orange, which in the state we live in is like you're getting pretty close to like nothing to worry about. And, uh, there are more masks around in the park than there have ever been before. So I don't, I don't know when that'll end. There shouldn't be an orange tier.
2: Cause I'm familiar with the, the, the tiers in Cal Unicornia. And once you're past the, the red tier, which is the things are looking pretty good tier, there should be no freaking tiers. That, that to me is, and I know I'm, it's a bit of a stretch, but that to me is a way to per, make permanent. The idea that the government is in control, and we will let you live your life, maybe. Because once you're past that red tier, everything's fine. I mean, the numbers are crazy low. Right. And it's the springtime, for goodness sakes, and everybody's outdoors anyway.
1: Like, my son wears a mask all day long at school, the whole time. I've, I've, I've not been in a situation where I have a mask on for that length of time, really. I just like when I walk into a convenience store. A couple of flights, but even then, mm-hmm. like I said, you you take it off if you're... Got a cup of coffee in your hand. Um, but they were masked all day at school. I wonder at what point, though. Because I'll, I'll bet that's one of the last things to go. I mean, really got to be at the things are so safe now. They're just beyond safe.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, even though it's it's clear that the kids are not giving the COVID to each other or teachers in any numbers. They're just not.
1: Um. As, uh, has anybody watched... The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah, I've seen the the first episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you you liked you liked Captain America, Joe? The first one, yeah, yeah. But you watched that with your son. It was good. You're not somebody who's going to go watch these on your own, probably. Now that your kids are grown up,
2: uh, Judy and I watch the occasional superhero movie, but most of them I find very boring.
1: Yeah. Sam was pretty excited that there's a spinoff, and this is a series, not a movie. I didn't realize. I thought it was a movie. Was, we watched episode one on Friday night, I think. Yes. And a lot of lot of plot development. I'm hoping there's a there's something going to happen because there's a lot of plot development. But Bucky, Captain America's friend who died back yeah. in World War II, I he's, remember he's back now as the Winter Soldier, and he's teamed up with Falcon and taken on all kinds of mayhem. See a zombie?
4: <laughs> no, similar to Captain America. There was a freezing of a something. Something yada, got yada, yada, frozen. Something and thawed yeah. him out back and now, alive. And now he's here. <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> you can't you can't freeze people in thaw him. Ask Ted Williams.
1: <laughs> Am I gonna see some red skull at some point? That guy freaks me out. Oh, ugly. It's oh, a good, villain.
4: <laughs> good that, villain. That's a
1: heck of a good villain. Um the Second Amendment. Allows you to own a gun personally or not? Well, it depends on what you think the comma means. What does the comma mean? The comma? The comma in the second amendment. There there's a difference of five to four in the Supreme Court that 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 allows you to have a gun based on the comma. Well, I,
2: I hope you'll explain, comma, man. <laughs> Period. <laughs> <laughs>
4: more that on that the way.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
3: While we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter... His motive, the weapons he used, the guns. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again.
1: What is an assault weapon? gets very, very complicated very, very fast. So I I thought yesterday this was going to be... The only thing America was talking about for days or weeks to come. I thought this was, you know, with the Democrats in charge of the uh, the White House and the Senate and the House, I thought this is the time we're going to move on guns. But I'm seeing all kinds of uh, CNN and others saying unlikely any significant gun legislation happens, so... It's not as big a deal as I thought. You
2: know, Um, that's interesting, given what you told us toward the end of the last hour, that uh, Biden had made some decision to go just historically huge and fast on everything he could. The federal government's about to
1: take all your guns away. Oh, caught on a live mic. That's taken out of context, but it's still funny to play. The context is they're coming for your guns. (laughs) Here it
2: comes. Everybody's guns are going to be taken away. There you go. That mic is still hot. Turn
1: it off. Now, I saw some headline where uh, Kamala Harris indicates Biden not willing to use executive action on guns. I wonder if his, I'm going to be a transformational president, and I might need to do away with the filibuster to do it is about all these various programs that will change America forever, and he wants to spend his capital on that rather than having the gun fight. Hmm. If you'll pardon that expression. Um, the the uh, gun legislation battle. Yeah. It, could, it could be, because um, he, he, as we mentioned a while ago, he had some historians in the other day. And having a conversation, you know, how big can I go? How much is too big? And all the historians, liberal historians, were urging, no, go, big, go as big as you can. So he's, you know, they, they've already done some huge stuff that people will be talking about for decades, maybe centuries Um and, uh, he wants more of that. And I think the gun thing would, would bog that down. So I don't know. But hmm. since I prepared for it anyway, let's talk about the second amendment a little bit <laughs> as I watched a whole bunch of YouTube videos and, 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 and read a bunch of articles and listened to Supreme Court justices and all that sort of stuff. So there hadn't, there hasn't been that much looking at the second amendment by the Supreme Court, certainly in recent years, which was kind of surprising to me. It had been 70 years since there had been a major ruling by the Supreme Court about the second amendment. Until two thousand eight, when they t- finally took a look at Heller versus Washington D.C., because in Washington D.C. for thirty years in Washington D.C. you didn't write, have the right to own a gun as an individual. That's insane! Absolutely amazing mm-hmm. that it took that long before somebody was able to challenge it. And even when they did, it only was a five to four ruling. So let's. Uh, by the way, can I point this out? There was rampant gun
2: violence during those thirty
1: years in Washington D.C. mm Hmm. Yeah um, so what does the Second Amendment say? I'll read it slowly with the punctuation because it ends up mattering to this Heller decision, which did give you the right to own a gun as an individual. Second Amendment: a well-regulated militia comma being necessary to the security of a free state comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms comma shall not be infringed. There are too many commas in there.: It's a little confusing. I'll admit it's a little confusing the way
2: to: If I are. were an English teacher, I'd remove at least two of those.
1: So it comes down to the commas. And they voted 5-4. The uh 5-4 to allow you to have a gun as an individual, to say no the Washington DC ban is unconstitutional because the way the commas are in there, they're two separate things. They're they're that are an act of dividing thoughts. You're allowed to have guns for a regulated militia and for uh, the people. They're two different things. Now, the dissent, they specifically argued, no, no, those commas are... um They're, they're making the point that a, route, a, well, a well-regulated militia, you know, the people, they get to have guns. They're, they're combining those, that they only meant a militia. And that's what the argument was about, was the comma. And I listened to a long uh YouTube video with Antonin Scalia saying the comma made all the difference in how it was interpreted. And the Four crowd, the you get to own a gun crowd was Scalia, Justice Thomas, Kennedy, John Roberts was there at the time in two thousand eight, and Alito on the other side. It was Souter, Breyer. They're gone now. Ginsburg and uh, Stevens were the ones that said, no, no, the the comma means they're together. They're part of the same thought. But that's that's the only reason you have a gun if you live in certain cities. Because if they had, if there had been one more person that thought the comma combines them. Then I guarantee you there wouldn't be guns, individual gun ownership in San Francisco and Chicago and a whole bunch, New York City, a whole bunch of different places. Right. That's crazy that it all
2: came down to an argument about grammar, or I suppose that'd be punctuation.
1: Maybe the whole state of California, you wouldn't be able to have a gun. I don't know. You know, I ought to go
2: back to more of the uh, the Federalist Papers and the. You know, original writings by the Founding Fathers on the topic. I, I know there's, even after you do, it's still a little mysterious. Uh-huh. Just I've read people who've read that stuff. Um, but it, it strikes me as odd since the rest of the Bill of Rights is so clear. I mean, it's brilliantly clear that that one is a little funky.
1: Yeah, and I until I heard Antonin Scalia say it yesterday, I'd, I'd overlooked the fact that the right to uh, own and bear arms, it has to be something you can carry. That's, that's one of the reasons you can't have a, a tank or a variety of cannon. What if I get really strong? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like a, the
2: Nighthawk soldier guy you are talking about. Or
1: I have but, an aluminum cannon. It's like 40 pounds. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Joe. <laughs> How about an F-18? You don't need to carry that. Not, it carries you. Technically, yeah, I suppose.
5: Armstrong and Getty. The
0: Armstrong and Getty Show.
5: Don't say a word. Read the words. A well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Sure, you need an organized military force to defend your country, but the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the people in contrast with the militia. It doesn't say the right of the militia to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. It says the right of the people. Now, why the word people? Because the people who wrote this had just fought a war for two years against a tyrannical state militia. They knew the time might come when they'd have to do that again. So they made the possession of weapons a right that the militia could never take away. Now, gun control advocates say the phrasing is clumsy. And the comma separating the state from the people is just a pause to get your breath. (laughs) Strange. They can't seem to point out any other places where those hack framers f***ed up the wording.
1: Hmm. That's Penn Gillette from Penn and Taylor in between magic tricks, giving a little lecture about the Second Amendment.
5: Yeah, I'm what not sure think? I
2: agree with him completely, but I like the argument.
1: Um, So, funny thing on Bill Maher the other night that I knew you would like, uh, particularly t- talking about equality of outcomes. Um, and he was using the Grammys as an example. Ever, ever, it's, it's, he's an interesting liberal. But anyway, he was, he was blasting the whole idea of equality of outcomes. And he said, look at the Grammys. The, the, the people that get these awards and everything like that, and, and then other people that don't. Um, He said, that's a, a te- it's an entire testament To meritocracy is what those award shows are. Right. Giving awards to people who are the best. Um, Allegedly. He he got into the conversation about this Rolling Stone article um, adding up music's 1%. And Rolling Stone was all uh, bothered by the fact that there are a, a, a tiny number of artists that get almost all the streams out there in the world and then all these artists that get hardly any streams, and how wrong that is. Nearly all of the streams went to artists in the top 10%, with the bottom 90% pulling in just 0.6% of the streams. Wow. Wow. That is shocking. And and Rolling Stone went on to say, streaming hasn't just upheld the gap between music's haves and have-nots. It's widened it. But, as Bill Maher was making the point, it's completely a choice. People are throwing their music out there, and listeners are deciding, you know, I want to, want to listen to this, I want to listen to that, I want to listen to that again. No, I don't want to hear that again, I want to listen to this again. And mm-hmm. it's, it's about as democratic as you're ever going to get in terms of uh, that sort of thing. Not that that's required for art anyway. Was uh, the
2: Rolling Stone uh, proposing any sort of quote-unquote solution to this issue? I, I don't what? know,
1: I didn't re- read the whole article, but they seem to be really bothered by it and thought you it was know, somehow, I mean, they, they were suggesting, at least in the paragraphs I saw, suggesting that it's somehow unfair? It's, it's unfortunate. I think the, the beauty of the record
2: store... And those of us who are old enough to remember record stores or CD stores or whatever, the beauty of that was that all of the available music was in front of you, and you can flip through albums for an hour, or if you're a music freak, a couple hours, whatever, and you'd come across an intriguing cover or... Or the you like the song titles and you ask the guy in the shop and you might pick up something you never heard of before. With streaming, now granted they have curating and suggestions and stuff like that. Yeah, I was about to say you don't see the full panoply of music in front of you.
1: My streaming platform definitely suggests these are you know the best new things out there and they're often artists I've never heard of. So they're they're suggesting things to me.
2: You know that's a good point. I don't know what the hell they were talking about. Although the the numbers are interesting. I mean, Led Zeppelin may have sold, you know, an outsized number of albums, but it wasn't like the top ten bands in the world sold 90% of the albums, I don't think. Well,
1: part, uh, I think part of it is there's just so much music out there right now. Right, uh, right. And so, uh, you know...
4: In that bottom 90%, there's a lot of people with four songs that have been listened to four times total.
1: Well, but and, and there, are, there are groups, though, that I love and listen to just as much as big stadium groups. But I, there's like a hundred of us that are listening to this person. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know what you do about that. I I, I think I, I think one thing it points out that a lot of musicians would hate just turns out to be true. The mass audience wants the latest Taylor Swift album when it comes out, and they're going to spend a lot of time listening to it. Sure. Yeah. I'm not offended by that. I'm not sure. I'll have to seek out
2: that article, but Mar was mocking it, huh?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, what's funny about the Grammys and entertainment and everything is, um, you know, there are tons of artists of color who win all sorts of awards all the time. Uh, in sports, I mean, you have uh, the meritocracy of performance. It's hugely people of color. The rest of it, those unequal outcomes are fine. Mm-hmm. But in in other things, you have to have equal outcomes, which is an impossibility anyway. But. Uh, interesting. Oh, hey, you know, I wanted to get this on just because um, people uh, talk about DC statehood. A fair amount. You got people really pushing it hard. Why don't we start with clip number thirty-five, Sean? That's the
1: idea of Washington DC becoming its own state. They currently yeah. there's seven hundred thousand people who live there, and they mm-hmm. have no representation. There are more people in Washington DC than in Wyoming or Rhode Island. So they have more of a population than a couple of states who get two senators, but they have no representation in Congress. That's the argument. Yeah, let's hear one of the
2: arguments in favor. This is wackadoodle way out there uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley in clip 35.
3: Now today, the state of Washington, D.C., would be 46% black, which would make it the state with the highest percentage of black people in the entire country. I'm going to make it plain. D.C. statehood is a racial justice issue. And racism kills.
1: Okay, interesting. Uh, now this is... Uh, racism DeRoy- toward black people kills? Because racism toward white people must not bother anybody, because there's a lot of it around. Yeah,
2: yep. DeRoy Murdoch, who's with the National Review, uh, explained a couple of uh,
0: reasons you might
2: not be in favor of D.C. statehood.
0: A couple of reasons this is a bad idea. One is D.C. is supposed to be sort of a safe space where representatives from all around the country can come together in the federal government, in Congress, in, in the House, in the Senate, uh, discuss all, all kinds of matters, and not have a governor or state lawmakers looking over their shoulders and making right. life difficult for them. Uh, that's why it's it's a federal district, not just a, a city inside of another state. So that's one thing. And that's sort of the theoretical reason for this. Okay, go ahead with thirty-seven. The practical reason that this isn't any good, and why Republicans and conservatives need, need to avoid, uh, try to stop this uh, at all costs, is that this is the most Democrat and liberal um, constituency in the country. Uh, back in November. Donald Trump went five to five to six percent of the vote, and ninety five percent of it uh, sorry ninety two percent of it uh, went to Joe Biden, just to give you a sense of how completely lopsided this is so if uh, in fact we had d c statehood, we'd have two uh, Democrat senators for life. Uh, you know if they happen to rob a bank the day before the election, they get elected anyway, and the idea here is for them to be in there. Uh, remain as permanent members of the Democratic caucus and make it that easier to get rid of the filibuster and then implement uh, the the left's uh, uh, pretty insane and uh, uh, anti American agenda.
1: I, I like the arguments better the the against arguments that have more to do with the founding fathers, particularly carved out an area where the government class was going to live that wouldn't be representative. That argument carries more weight to me because all the other arguments to me, I have a pretty good feeling would be flipped entirely if, for instance, for one weird, strange reason, Washington, D.C. was 700,000 redneck, white, gun-toting Republicans. I have a feeling both sides would be arguing just as hard completely the other direction.
2: Yeah, well, that guy, he was uh, talking to the choir, so he figured he could go ahead and make the... uh, And here's why it's a really important argument. But, yeah, you have to stick with the principled arguments to have any sort of footing on this issue. And it's it's striking to me, the founding Papos were absolutely right that you can't have the government center be a unit of government. You can't have a state that is government, government. They thought that was a bad idea, and and they never envisioned an enormous, incredibly cash-hungry, rich, sprawling federal government. The idea that the government workers would be a specific state... Was anathema to the founding fathers. The idea, and I've, I've expressed this many times, and I think it may be one of the most important issues in our time. Nobody ever talks about it. The most, the single most important lobbyist of the government right now is the government itself. It's become so enormous. And then you give the government statehood and the government gets an official vote. That's just dangerous. It is kind of weird though that there are 700,000 people in that district.
1: Taxed taxation without representation. Taxed for paying federal taxes with no representation in the federal government.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I would be in favor of, you know, really restrict what D.C. is now and have other states annex part of it or something. I don't know. But the, yeah, the, whole, the that, government is only beholden to the government here is is terrifying.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. So, yeah, if you carved off little chunks of them to be... You know, I don't even know well enough Virginia, Maryland, whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, or I'm surprised. Well, I'm not surprised. There, there are clearly 700,000 people that it's not important enough to them to have representative representation in government that they go ahead and live there because you wouldn't. It's not very big. You wouldn't have to move very far to make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're in a state with representation. Yeah, yeah. It's clearly. I, think- I mean, you can really understand why the two sides are doing the political arguments. Oh my God! It'd be huge. You got two guaranteed Democrat senators immediately. Oh yeah, it's huge forever.
2: And Puerto Rico would be the same thing, which is why they're talking about that. Fifty
1: states is fine. Does 50. Chuck Norris have an island somewhere?
4: <laughs> if he does, we
1: wouldn't know about it. Does Ted Nugent have a mountain somewhere? That can make a state.
2: Selickville. Who's Vince Vaughn?
1: Vince Vaughn, Sylvania. <laughs> Vince Vaughn's a conservative. I believe he is. Yes, because we just watched Fred Claus on Saturday night. Have you ever seen mm. that? I haven't. It's a Christmas movie. It should be watched at Christmas time. Pretty freaking funny. If I oh, yeah. knew how funny it was, I'd have seen it a long time ago. I've I've never seen the Tim Allen Santa Claus movie. That's a good movie too. Yeah, and there's more yeah. than one. Uh, yeah, there are a
2: couple. I believe for three or five. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even seen. I haven't seen the first ones. So. Okay, gotcha.
1: <laughs> I'm um, looking up at my Twitter feed. Laura Trump's considering a Senate run. Okay. Which one's she? Um, is she the one who criticized uh, the Donald? She's the hot blonde one. Um. Oh, that's uh, Junior's ex. Oh, okay. Is it? I don't know. I don't know either. And <laughs> Somebody um, ought to know. Should they? I'm not sure they should. Um, I mentioned this earlier. C-SPAN is officially kicking off the 2024 presidential election with a, uh, a little piece on Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, is in Iowa. Apparently laying groundwork for a run in 24. All right. You have to be there and now. And they're covering it. You know, I would never call for any violence or
2: mayhem against a media outlet, but I think somebody should just s- slip in there and, like, flip off all their circuit breakers or something.
1: The election was four months ago. <laughs> I know it. Stop it. That is unbelievable.
0: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong
4: and Getty Show. They still won't allow journalists inside, but Customs and Border Patrol releasing this video shot last week. Only 250 people are supposed to be held here. Instead, they're close to 4,000. Side by side, huddled under foil blankets, toddlers in a playpen, being watched by a caretaker.
1: Wow, toddlers. Every day the numbers grow. Facility for 250 kids, over 4,000 kids now. It's hard to even imagine how that's possible. And they're still not letting journalists in, although I just saw this headline. They're going to let one camera into one of the 200-plus Shelters. Well, that's
2: that's ridiculous. That reminds me of China saying, yeah, yeah, you can uh, figure out the covid origin. Give us nine months and we'll tell you where you can go. That's no
1: inspection at all. By the way, that was tweeted out by Jonathan Swan of Axios, who's doing a great job on this border stuff. What you just heard was from ABC. ABC goes on with a little more of what's happening there.
4: Tonight, the White House under fire from all sides, accused of not having a plan in place to handle the surge after it overturned many of President Trump's hardline immigration policies. Democratic Congressman Henry Cuillar of Texas calling the situation at the border something the White House won't, a humanitarian crisis.
3: The administration has all the good intentions. They want to treat the kids in a human way. But in trying to do this, their good intentions are being overwhelmed by numbers. The children
4: just keep coming.
1: Yeah, and then they uh, talked to little kids, cuter and heck little kids, with their little backpacks and everything like that, walking to the border in the dark on a dirt road with, uh, with little pieces of paper with phone numbers on them in their hands. Wow. Just Unbelievable. And it's because the word got out that hey if you get across if you can get your kid across the border they get to stay. That's the current policy. And,
2: and then they're so overwhelmed with the kids and others that now they're turning adults loose with, without so much as a hearing date.
1: Yeah. It's insane. It's ne- chaos. You'll never hear from them again in most cases. Right. So you don't have any idea who's coming in. Pretty crazy way to run a, a country. Anyway, this story is not well, going and away.
2: it's going to result in so much pain and suffering and expense to the cities and it's just it's terrible. And and profit to the cartels, as always.
1: Oh, Lindsey Graham today said, hey, a- AOC, where are you? Why haven't you been down to the border? Remember, she went big on going to the border with her camera and, and uh, tweeting it out and videos and crying and all that sort of stuff.
2: Gazing into an empty parking lot and having it cropped so that it looks like she's looking at the kids. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. Remember that?
1: Appreciate yeah. ABC News doing a good job on that. <laughs> Wanted to throw this in a pop culture thing. Clint Eastwood, who's 90 years old. Wow, What? is directing and starring in a Western that is going to come out later this year. 90-year-old Clint Eastwood. I don't want a 90-year-old
2: on a horse. I'll be nervous for him the whole time.
1: I don't know if he's on a horse at any point. Stars is a former rodeo star and horse breeder who something or other, something or other. Um,
4: something or something or other. He solves a problem is what he does.
1: With the mong kid from next door. Uh, that no, that was a, that different, was movie. a different, different movie. Very good movie, though. That was a good movie. El Camino. Mm-hmm. But it's a, yeah. a Western set in the 70s. As a 90-year-old. When I heard he was... I, I knew he was going to keep directing. I didn't know he was going to keep starring in. That's old, man. 90. Wow. Movie tradesman. There you go. <laughs> I don't
5: want the show to be over, but I-
1: What it was 81 when he did that chair bit for Mitt Romney, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. So, uh, and he seemed a little like he was losing it, but anyway, here's your host for uh, final thoughts, Joe Getty. His <laughs> improvisational comedy chops were a little off, but <laughs> hey, let's get a final thought from everybody
2: on the crew. Michelangelo pressing the buttons. Final thought, uh, yeah, really hoping that uh, Clint Eastwood will come out with Bronco Billy 2. In any which way you can, three. There you go.
4: He's not done yet. Acting with apes. Positive Sean, our producer. Final thought. It played a clip of Penn Gillette talking about the Second Amendment earlier. Uh, when I was a young lad, my very first job was at a magic store. I was really big into magicians and all that sort of stuff. I would go to Vegas and, and look at a... I, I really enjoyed going to the magic shows. Penn and Teller put on a fantastic show. I don't know if they still do magic shows and stuff, but they uh, they know a little thing about putting on a show, yeah. and they do a good
1: one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I'd love to have seen that in person at some point. Jack, a final thought for the folks? Make my day. Hand me a stool softener. Uh, what is my hmm. final thoughts? Do I have a final thought on anything? Do you know I to let that one
4: be the gem? <laughs> that's that's pretty good. I the mic. It's better than
2: mine. So, my final thought, and it doesn't matter, but I, I decided I wanted some golf pants okay yesterday something with his personality major decisions well no it's not a major decision at all but I discovered right now you have two choices solid colors everything is solid colors drab fairly plain solid colors or you can go wild Rodney Dangerfield look at me look at me I'm drunk I'm hitting on a cocktail waitress look at my cigar look how outrageous I am <laughs> nothing in between but there's
1: nothing in between
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you can go with banker or like obnoxious car dealer from the 70s. <laughs> Nothing in between.
1: Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour
2: workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. A lot of great clicks under hot links for you.
1: See you tomorrow. God bless America.
5: Goodbye, sweet America. a stop with the nonsense rhetoric. And boom goes the dynamite. hi
4: Yeah. Thank you. If you're trying to have a good time, just come no matter what.
5: Lady, lady, lady. I'm
4: gonna call my lawyer. Gun. Okay,
5: cheer, boo, yay, game over, let's go home.
3: Oh my word! Will the universe survive? I pledge
5: allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. Uninvincible. (laughs)
4: On that high note... (laughs) <laughs> Thank you all very much.
1: Uh, Armstrong and Getty.